360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program and broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley. And tonight's Full Circle marks a special milestone for me as tonight I celebrate 15 years at KPFA. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. So, if you can, grab something to drink and chill with me for the hour because on tonight's show, I will share some of the work I have done over the years and talk about the way KPFA and the First Voice Apprenticeship Program has helped shape my life and drives my desire for equality and justice. Also, I bring it full circle tonight, at pun intended, and close the show with an update about a planned Black Lives Matter march and rally in Martinez. There have been threats of violence from counter-protesters, and we'll bring you the latest news. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin, celebrating 15 years at KPFA tonight. Keep it locked right here to Full Circle. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. For a cheerful toast and fill it, happy anniversary. But be careful, you don't spill it, happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Well, thanks, fellas. It sure was. Happy she and happy he, they're both as happy as can be. Celebrating merrily their happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. All right, fellas, I appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. We now state emphatically it's happy anniversary. Not another day could be a happy anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy. Happy, 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 happy anniversary. All right, knock it off. Yeah, that was Barney Rubble uh, singing on the Flintstones, happy anniversary. And again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight and graduate apprentice, Free Will and Franklin. Well, I'm here, and as you have heard, tonight I am celebrating 15 years at KPFA, and I get to toot my own horn tonight and bring you some of the sounds I have generated over the past 15 years. It was July of 2005 that I received a letter from KPFA letting me know that I was accepted into the 29th group of the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. 
And I remember the feeling to me was like I was accepted into an elite university. You see, because I never attended an actual university. I did learn welding at the local community college, but that's another story. But yes, yes, I was very excited like I was going to attend college, but also nervous and a little anxious because this was a whole new world to me because as some longtime listeners may know, I was coming out of a 10-year addiction to meth where basically my progression in life was put on hold. But now, in 2005, I was ready to leave that dark world behind and journey into something new. So real quick, I want to give a big shout out to my original group, Group 29, Asali, Amanasar, Tujang. Yes, that's right. Um, which translates into Sweet Sunrise in the Struggle. It was myself, Rewell and Franklin, Carla West, Ever Bolden, Juliet Sefuentes, Picola Taggart, Aaron Lipovich, Magical Maxine Wyman, and Kyung Jen Lee, my Asali crew. Those people may not know it, but they are the reason that I was able to stay clean and not turn back to meth, and I'll never forget that. And we did lose a couple people on the way, not to death or anything, but that didn't quite finish the program. So shout out to Shiro and Jahabra. It's been a while, so hope you're all safe out there, everybody. So tonight, I want to bring you some of the fruits of my labor. I want to share some of the stories and interviews and sounds that I have aired on KPFA and that have also shaped my views of the world today. And one thing that coming to KPFA really did for me was finally get me in touch with other Native Americans. I was raised in a mainly white suburban area in Antioch, and I never really knew another Native American. I myself am a mixed-race person. Uh, my father is the Native American in my family, and he left the reservation with his mom when he was still a young boy. So basically, I was cut off from any of my father's traditional and cultural beliefs. And my first contact, so to say, was through KPFA. And at that time, I was in my mid-30s, can you believe it? And I hadn't really sat down and talked with another Native American. Um, I had never been in the presence of or heard the drum beat or even seen or heard the gourd shake and rattle. So at KPFA and in the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, I was encouraged to try and dive into Native American culture, stories, and news. And it was then that I learned about AIM, the American Indian Movement, and the International Indian Treaty Council. And when it came time to do an interview, I turned there. That's when I met Tony Gonzalez, who would later become one of my mentors on Native American issues and the struggles for us as Native peoples for treaty rights and self-determination. When I look back on how my political beliefs on Native issues were formed, I could look back at this interview from 2006 with Tony Gonzalez. You know, I remember how excited I was that I was interviewing this big-time AIM guy and that he was already working with the United Nations on indigenous people's rights for 25 years already. I was really going big time when I went to interview Tony and I was very excited. So here is an excerpt of my interview with AIM member, part of the International Indian Treaty Council at the time, and one of the current hosts of KPFA's Bay Native Circle and across Indian land, Tony Gonzalez. 
This was recorded at the International Indian Treaty Council office in San Francisco's Mission District, and it is introduced as it was in 2006 by two of my groupmates. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. We are your hosts, Juliette Cifuentes and Carla West. A lot of people in the U.S. don't realize that many Native American tribes are recognized as sovereign nations within this country, while still others are not. The lines of international politics of a nation within a nation are constantly blurred by racism, land grabs, and genocide. In America and around the world, indigenous people's rights, lands, and cultures are still under attack. Thankfully, we have the International Indian Treaty Council. Founded in 1974 at a gathering of the American Indian Movement, the Indian Treaty Council is an organization of indigenous people from North, Central, South America, and the Pacific working for the sovereignty and self-determination of indigenous peoples and the recognition and protection of indigenous rights, traditional cultures, and sacred lands. Full Circle's Frank Sterling got to speak to Tony Gonzalez, who's been the United Nations liaison for the past 25 years about international indigenous politics. This is Frank Sterling. I'm talking with Tony Gonzalez of the International Indian Treaty Council. I'd like to start, Tony, by asking, if you could be the person to define sovereignty for indigenous people, what would it mean? Sovereignty, in the broad sense, uh, would mean uh, governance over the social the economic, the, the political, the cultural way of, of living. It also means uh, control over your land and resources. It means uh, having permanent sovereignty over uh, natural resources. And, and I say that uh, with quotation, permanent sovereignty over natural resources for indigenous peoples of the world uh, was e effectively removed from their sovereignty in uh, 1948 during that period when the U United Nations Declaration uh, of Human Rights was being uh, declared and signature countries were being sought. Uh, but Indian peoples of the world were not included. Uh, they were not discussed. Uh, they were not provided with any amount of courtesy of prior informed consent of what was going to come down. Uh, it was the final uh, linchpin, if you will, on the oppression of the world's indigenous peoples. And that is the theft of the, the sovereignty that they had over natural resources. What does our sovereignty actually look like? Well, I'd say, you know, from my point of view and uh, from the work that I do here at the International Indian Treaty Council, uh, it's the erosion of sovereignty for Indian people is is occurring at an increased pace, much more than even uh, the period of a hundred years ago. And uh, with this attitude that the United States has, it's imposing its uh, laws on in American Indians as an international standard for Indians throughout the world, which complicates the situation because it's at that international United Nations level uh, where the struggle of sovereignty and self-determination and the rights of the world's indigenous peoples is being debated. And 
uh, it's being obstructed by countries like the United States and uh, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, predominantly countries that hold treaties and agreements and other constructive arrangements with uh, indigenous peoples and are, are finding it uh, very difficult to integrate it within their governance, uh, which is why we have racism, we have the dehumanizing of the indigenous people, hence uh, the lack of sovereignty. Tony, how's it looking in the courts for indigenous people these days? Indian people internationally are going to the courts, the highest courts in the countries that that they're in, and there are precedents in that they're winning. But uh, the biggest obstacle that uh, Indian people have in the judicial systems and governance is with the United States and countries like New Zealand and countries like Australia, even countries like the United Kingdom, who do not support what's referred to as the United Nations Universal Declaration of Rights of the World's Indigenous Peoples. And in fact, right now, the General Assembly at the United Nations in New York is uh, debating and discussing this uh, declaration of rights for the world's indigenous peoples. And uh, by and large, there is support by the majority of countries. And it looks like it's going to pass. But countries like the, those that I mentioned, uh, like the United States and Australia and New Zealand, are voting against it, do not support it, and are obstructing and discouraging countries from supporting these rights of the world's indigenous peoples. And instead, they want to inject, as I said earlier, U.S. type of law with American Indians and impose that in the international arena. And it's just not going to work. It's not supported by countries of the world who see the, the injustice and the inequality. So that, that's going to work itself out, hopefully, with the, the vote of the General Assembly. Hopefully, they'll decide this year and we'll have a set of laws uh, that govern the rights of the world's indigenous peoples universally instead of uh, what we're subjected to today. This is Frank Sterling I'm speaking with Tony Gonzalez of the International Indian Treaty Council. And finally, Tony, I'd like to ask, how does the future look for indigenous peoples in the Americas? October 12, just of uh, 2006, just came and left, uh, you know, not too long ago. But that also marked uh, 514 years of colonization and oppression in, in the Americas. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say, for, again, from where I'm sitting, that there's a, a resurgence, there's a, a renaissance, there's a reinvigorating uh, feeling uh, throughout this hemisphere of indigenous pride, uh, uh, of indigenous uh, uh, rights to reclaim our, our destiny, reconquer what was taken. So th there is a, an awakening. We're seeing uh, uh, presidents uh, in various countries here in this hemisphere being elected with the most recent uh, uh, Evo Morales in, in Bolivia. Uh, we see the the mixed blood Indio and the emphasis uh, that is being placed by Comandante uh, Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, the president there. 
And there's emphasis, whether they're mixed bloods or, or whole bloods, they're now putting emphasis on their indigenousness more and more. So this is a great feeling and an opportunity uh, for the young people to not uh, be ashamed or hide behind or, or feel that, th that they've lost an identity. Uh, uh, this is the moment to reclaim and contribute uh, the harmony and the peace, uh, in effect, our spirituality that has guided and provided us with the security that we've needed over these hundreds of years of persecution. And uh, now the bigger job is to uh, bring peace to our sacred Mother Earth. Tony Gonzalez, thanks a lot. All right, thank you for your spirit and uh, hope to see you DJing where Indian struggles are in different parts of the world. This is Frank Sterling for Full Circle. Welcome back. This is Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, and that was an interview I did in 2006 with AIM member Tony Gonzalez. I didn't know it at the time, but Tony would eventually become a bigger part of my life. He would be someone I could turn to for information, especially concerning Native people of the world. I would see and work with Tony on Alcatraz, and he became like the Indian uncle I never had. You see, Tony was a man who was wounded in Vietnam, patched up, and returned to battle, and still made it home. My dad's brother, my uncle John Charles Sterling, was actually killed in Vietnam. Uh, so yes, Tony and Gabilan of La Onda, they kind of became like the uncles I never had and that I imagined I would if I had my uncle John. A decade after that interview was recorded, I would be in Standing Rock with Tony and his son and Miguel Molina, Dennis Bernstein, Pedro Reyes, you know, the La Onda crew. Um, I'd be recording stories and interviews for broadcast on KPFA. So a big shout out to Tony. You have been a teacher to me like I imagine my Uncle John would have been. So thank you, Tony. Thank you very much. So let me move on and bring you to 2009 and something I became passionate about during my time at KPFA is the use of weaponized unmanned aerial vehicles or drones by the U.S. military and the CIA. As I started to learn more about their use and how many actual civilians and non-combatants were being killed, I started to get involved. And one of the first things I did 
regarding drones was take my newly acquired skills in editing and mixing and created this sound collage. Wherever you are, turn this up and check out my exploration into sound and the United States military use of these unmanned killing machines. I grew up after, in the ruins, starving, hiding from HKs. HKs? Hunter killers. Patrol machines built in automated factories. But the airstrikes cause a major problem for the U.S.'s ally in the war on terror. Widespread anger at the government and the U.S. The new U.S. government should change U.S. policy, this man says. Obama Hussein is a Muslim name. He should think about the Muslims. As I said when I announced this strategy, there will be more difficult days ahead. President Obama has authorized 28 drone strikes since he uh, took office. That's more than President Bush had done at this point. There have been dozens of drone strikes in the past year that have targeted Pakistani and foreign militants, but also killed hundreds of civilians. Since 2006, we've killed 14 senior al-Qaeda leaders using drone strikes. In the same time period, we've killed 700 Pakistani civilians in the same area. 700 Pakistani civilians, the drone strikes are here deeply aggravating the population. 700 Pakistani civilians. Now you've got these airplanes that are capable not only of providing uh, the pictures, the full motion video that you need, but now they're also capable of taking out targets where there may not be any other assets available. Hunter killers. Drone attacks. Pulse the U.S. drone attacks. Drone strikes. Pulse the U.S. drone attacks. You're going to see a lot of outrage towards these drone attacks. It can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever. Until you are dead. The Obama administration. Watch these two men in Iraq. They have no idea they're being hunted by a deadly UAV. Hunter killers. It is following their every move. 
even recording them fire their weapons. They have no idea their insurgent activities have been spotted and no idea the UAV operator thousands of miles away is about to fire a missile at them. It's what makes UAVs or drones a must-have for the US military. This is Creech Air Force Base where drone pilots remotely fly missions over Iraq and Afghanistan. Creech Air Force Base, Nevada. They live with their families in Las Vegas. They drive out and drop the kids off at school, drive out in the morning, fly their missions, drop their bombs. They can go home and have dinner with their family in the evening. Drone attacks is not a Pakistani problem. It's an American problem because drone attacks are creating more hatred against United States of America in Pakistan than the Pakistan Army. So these drone attacks are also the violation of Article 2.4 of the UN Charter. And uh, nobody can justify the violation of international law in the name of war against terror. Because this kind of war is creating more terror and more hatred not only against the Pakistani armed forces but also against United States of America. In the aftermath of last night's aerial attack, Pakistan learned some things don't change. President Obama is continuing the Bush administration's policy of an expanded use of drones in Pakistan's tribal areas. The new administration's policy seems clear. The drone attacks will continue. Unmanned technology is here to stay. Wars will never be the same again. If ever there's a moment to borrow a line from a science fiction movie, now is it. Mankind is boldly and irreversibly going where man has never been before, towards an uncharted era of warfare. We're looking at a future where we can program unmanned aerial vehicles to operate autonomously and within groups among themselves, with weapons or without weapons. As I said when I announced this strategy, there will be more difficult days ahead. So this is not only a war worth fighting, this is a war of necessity. This is not a war of choice. Defense Secretary Robert Gates announced he would seek a more than 100% increase in funding for the drones. The U.S. drone attacks in Pakistan are backfiring. The unmanned drone airplanes take off from secret runways, seek out suspected terrorists, and with CIA employees at the remote controls, fire missiles to blow them up. Battle drones. You have proved yourself an unstoppable core of brutal killing machines. The most destructive band of merciless misfits ever assembled. Dismissed.
welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. I'm your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, and I'm also celebrating 15 years at KPFA tonight. Yes, yes. That sound collage you heard was created by me back in 2009 to try and bring some awareness to the KPFA listeners about the U.S. military and the CIA's use of drones in foreign lands. At the time, in 2009, when I created that piece, weaponized drones had already been in use for at least five years, but they were still a mystery to most Americans. In my continued pursuit of stories on drone warfare, I would eventually connect with people on the ground in Pakistan and report for the KPFA Evening News. I also reported from the desert in Las Vegas, camped outside Creech Air Force Base as part of Shutdown Creech. Creech Air Force Base, they have a drone base. Um, Pilots drive in every day, kind of like the Bay Area commute uh, and a nine-to-five job. They drive in, drop bombs on foreign lands, and then they could return home in time for dinner with the family. It's kind of creepy to me to see all the traffic going in there during the morning and leaving at night. I would also go on to bring the documentary film National Bird into KPFA and interview the filmmaker and producer Sonia Kennenbeck. The film covered the lives of three whistleblowers from the U.S. drone program. I'm sure many of you out there got the film through one of the times I featured it during the fun drives, and I thank you all for donating at that time. Let's take a short music break. This is the soundtrack and title track to the film National Bird, performed by Soleil and DJ Payne One. We'll be right back. Just an organism, not in an organization of peace. Shovel the ish in the belly of the beast. You got roped in on an economic draft. Couple years gone in the wisdom of sun. In the chain of command, doesn't care if you see your mom again. What's the number to a dumb computer? When you come from a place where making a living is making a killing. Through feeds and it's on to the next spot The destroyer of worlds, I became it on Xbox I mean it's cynical, son Why you think Call of Duty donates money to the wounded warrior fund? The last starfighter hovers over Jalalabad Takes out a target in his home for the socket game What if I become? What does war become? Ain't no citizens in this new realm Only rigged decks and a box of loaded cards to burn By the time you learn this rule, a few you're in a green zone Look at the trap that you've walked into Back to the desert, the one that in Nevada You can be born in Aurora to a Muslim scholar Children in tribal regions pray for foggy days Cause clear skies bring volleys from world away You will never see a city the same Only a sociopath remains unchanged And they wonder why we smoke the weed out 18 years to build a coffin, 30 years to bleed out It's an army of one, group at the top Sending strangers to kill for the love of God Daily life predicated on death The violence beneath sends strangers to kill It's a new national bird Its wingspan is 66 feet The old one's habitats are disappearing Sorry, bald eagle, you're obsolete What I am is what I am And what I've done is what I've done And I can't run to make right none Takes more than bleach to clean all of the blood off 
more than a protest, more than a ballot initiative. Revolutions allow we trace in the present, from before we were born to the last dead president. You ain't disillusioned, you ain't breathing. Hard to see the forest for the trees when the bushes want to kill you. This is for the nowhere folks with imperial past. They wrote it in gasoline, all you need is a match. I mean, you need a lot more than that, but a match is a decent place to start. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Full Circle right here on Pacifica Radio, KPFA 94.1 FM and KPFA.org. That song you just heard was National Bird. It is the title track to the film of the same name, National Bird a documentary film following three whistleblowers from the U.S. drone program. Last I heard, it was available on Netflix. You can also find out more about the film on their website, nationalbirdfilm.com. And like always, we will have a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. Now, coming up next, continuing my celebration of 15 years at KPFA, is a feature story I did. Um, It was special to me because I got to work with the kids. These young people were 8 to 10 years old and were already helping educate their parents, actually. This is no doubt in part due to the excellent staff and teachers at the Fred T. Korematsu Discovery Academy in East Oakland. I was invited to attend their Day of Justice by teacher Michelle Cassio. This is what I came away with. Check it out. Last week, I attended the Fred T. Korematsu Discovery Academy's Day of Justice, where through art, words, and even some YouTube videos, kids educated their parents on civil rights movements and their leaders. Here are some of the students describing the school's namesake, Fred T. Korematsu, an Oakland resident who resisted the U.S. government's plans to imprison all Japanese Americans at the start of World War II. They um, bombed um, Harper. Pearl Harbor? Yeah, they bombed it and they said, Fred Korematsu, and they said he needed to go to jail, but he said, I'm not a Japanese, I'm, a, I'm an American. I was born here. He was Only hiding from the um, the persons to take him to jail and they found him and they took him. Kuramatsu was from America, but only their parents was from Japanese, so he was Japanese American. Oh yeah, um, uh, the president gave him the Medal of Freedom. I made my way through the school to Michelle Cassio's class, where Angela Davis was projected on the wall speaking at Occupy Oakland. My name is Angela Davis. It is an honor to be with you today. One of her students showed me the civil rights map they created. I'm looking at a map and 
when civil rights happened in California, there was a great boycott, and, and also in California, there was also a, a Chicano march, I in Tucson, and there was a book ban, and, and also there's farm workers marched from the lake to Sacramento. You can also see it in California. Across the room on another wall was a boxing tea chart with Angela Davis and Ruben Salazar. Angel, one of her students, told me what he had learned about Ruben Salazar. Well, I learned that he got really famous for um, standing up for people's rights and doing what is really like fair. And also, I learned how he died. This kind of soldier guy threw a tear gas grenade to the coffee shop or this building he was inside, then it hit him in the head. I think that's when he got dead or something. And nobody could have like saved him because the tear gas was already spreading out and nobody could have done nothing. It was too gassy and it was also really dangerous. Another project the class worked on was a postcard drive to get parents to sign postcards to send to Arizona's Attorney General, Tom Horn, to express their feelings about the banning of books by Latino and indigenous authors. Here, one of her students explains. This is a postcard. We're going to do it to send them back to Tucson to take off the dependent of the book bans um, because the people of the Tucson, the kids, like on the schools, they want to learn Mexican, they want to learn their history, the history of Mexico. She also read some of the messages written on the postcards. We are all immigrants to this land. On this one, no more book bands. And the only one is, no one's history is illegal. Equal rights for everyone. Before I left, some of the kids showed me the letters they wrote to President Obama. My name is Liliana and this is my letter to President Obama. Dear Mr. President, my name is Liliana. I am 10 years old. I am a Mexican-American girl. I read your article called Choices for a Rising Generation. I think it's pretty good, but you said we must ask our rising generation to serve their country and we need you to help us. I would like you changing and doing what you said you were going to do. Give all the Mexican citizenship papers, but you didn't do this. And I imagine if you do give it to them, most of the people in the USA will revolt for you. So please, with all my heart, give all the Mexican papers. I hope you can help all Latino people. Thank you, Mr. Obama. P.S. Say hi to your family for me. My trip to the Fred T. Korematsu Discovery Academy left me feeling full of hope that these kids are our future. On location in East Oakland, this is Free Will and Franklin. Special thanks to Michelle Cassio and Sarah Lafleur Better for making this possible. Hey, 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 welcome back. That was a feature story I produced 
With the skills I learned here in the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program, and again, a big shout out to one of the many, many lifelong friends I have made here at KPFA as part of the First Voice family, Sarah LaFleur, lovingly referred to as LaFleur by myself and people from her crew. Um, I had a great time working on that project with LaFleur and especially with the young kids. That was another thing I have enjoyed over the years at KPFA is working with the younger generations, especially the 8, 9, and 10, 11-year-olds. You know, they're excited about seeing stuff. And one thing I have been able to do is partner with organizations like the Tiger Scouts and the Berkeley JCC to bring young kids into the station and give them tours um, and get them actually on the mic. It is, uh, it's such a joy to actually hear their little voices on the air. Well, um, I'm getting near the end of my 15-year celebration on KPFA tonight. But before I go, I want to bring it full circle, pun intended. <laughs> One of the things that was important to me was to bring to the air different movements for justice. Throughout my time here, I've been able to bring on the air families and their fight for justice after their loved ones have been killed by police. Oscar Grant comes to mind, the Bluford family, the Perez, P.D. Perez family, Terry Amons, you know, the list goes on. I've been able to bring young people from Palestine, people in the fight for peace for Yemen. And to me, the list goes on. When I was looking back through all the stuff I did, it was long and it was something that makes me very proud. And I'm glad you're getting a little taste of it tonight. So to close out the show tonight, I want to continue on that course and bring us an update on the fight for equality with Black Lives Matter. This is something that I have learned here at KPFA, that we need to be allies where we can. Last Sunday, to show support for the community of Martinez, an estimated 2,500 people gathered downtown. This action was brought on by a series of events that started with the posting of white pride recruitment flyers around town. After that, community activist Justin Gomez was granted a permit to paint a Black Lives Matter mural on the street in front of the courthouse. However, within an hour of the mural's completion, a local couple came down and attempted to paint over it. They were unsuccessful and were eventually charged with a hate crime. The mural was quickly repaired, but the following day, another man came down and started harassing people who were there to keep an eye on the mural. The man became so agitated that he went to his car where he retrieved a gun and proceeded to threaten people with it. He, too, was later arrested. Following the gun incident, someone illegally painted White Lives Matter on a nearby street. It was because of these actions that the people of Martinez and supporters from around the Bay Area came out. These are some of the voices I recorded while I was there. Check it out. Direct 
disrespect that was a message that black lives do not matter. What's up, everybody? What's up, Martinez? I want you to put your fist in the air if you've been in the streets in these past months. So good to see all your faces. Some of y'all might know me as the guy who uh, was in charge of the mural, but this movement is about centering black voices. So if you've driven by the mural, you might've met Henry. He might've said, I love you. He might've said, I love you, even if the people are spewing hate when they drive by. So before I speak, I want you to meet my neighbor, Henry. What laws matter? I love each and every one of you guys out here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. I've been carrying this sign with me all day. Anxiety in the hearts of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Each and every one of you have a good word to say. Each and every one of you can make somebody glad today. Make somebody glad that you came out here today for the right reason, not the wrong reason. Make sure that you let everybody know that you were out here fighting for equality, justice, and peace. I love you guys. Even though you may hear whatever from them, give them some positivity, because that's gonna kill them even more. Nigga all day. All day. I'm a black man, so some of my friends call me nigga. I ain't got called nigga that much in a long time. I felt that hate, that distrust, that anger, that frustration, that not knowing what your tomorrow would be when we're free. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to stop that oppression. They don't want to let you go with a peaceful mind to sleep at night. Rise up, my people, rise up. Rise up, my people, rise up. I said now, rise up, my people, rise up. Rise up, my people, rise up. 
Like my sister always tells me, let your character be your currency. You live, breathe, walk, and talk social justice for all. I'm tired of every time my 21-year-old son is out of my sight, I hold my breath. I'm tired of all the Karens calling the cops because he looks suspicious when he's walking to the damn pool. Most of all, I'm tired of all the mothers that I hold because their sons are gone. Let that sink in. I started this whole organization because I was a mom and I didn't want to see another son or daughter die. I've seen some horrific ish, but I make myself look and I make myself fight because it's what's necessary. talking in public but thank you for listening and thank you all for coming please don't let it end here today martinez we got it going for you keep it going and no place for white supremacy in this country no more I am a part of an organization called Justice for Miles Hall and the friends of Scott, Alexis, and Ton Hall. Now, Miles Hall was a young man who grew up in my neighborhood who was suffering from a mental illness. Mental illnesses, just like cancer, are not a crime and violence. A violent response to illness never helps. Now, the media will tell you, and powers of be will tell you that if you live in the right neighborhood, that if you're educated, that if you have a cohesive family, that if you communicate with your neighbors, that you are safe. But it wasn't enough for Miles Hall. It wasn't enough for Miles Hall because of white supremacy culture, which is alive and well in Walnut Creek. It wasn't enough for Miles Hall because there is this thing called white body supremacy that is part of our DNA. It lives in our bones. It's the water that we're swimming in, the air that we're breathing. Ton and Scott and Alexis did everything right. They took classes, they communicated with the police. They let their neighbors know when Miles was struggling. But it didn't matter because the police who showed up when he was having a mental health crisis were swimming in the culture of white supremacy. And so they didn't see him as a kid who was suffering from a mental illness. They saw him as a threat. Racism is not a black 
person problem. It is not a brown person problem. It is not an indigenous problem. It is a white person's problem. And what I say is let's keep these protests up because they're not listening. How, you know, it's been, what, 50 years since Martin Luther King. It's been 30 years since uh, Rodney King. It's been um, 11 years since Oscar Grant. And like I said, it's been five and a half years since uh, my son Petey was killed. And they still ain't learning. All of these names on the side of my truck and on the other side, every one of them different, every one of them are California. And that's from uh, three years ago. There's a whole bunch more. You guys couldn't see my face if I put all the names up here. You know, this is, like I say, just California. That doesn't include uh, the whole nation. So. Hello, my relatives. My name is Adam Wachintanka Itewaki on Thunderface. And I'm here with the Native Resistance Group. And we're here. Native resistance represents that we survived the American Holocaust. We've been resisting against colonialism for over 500 years. Whenever we go somewhere, we acknowledge the traditional people of the land. So the indigenous people were the Ohlone people. So we want to acknowledge the ancestors of the land. It's very important that you do that. No matter where you go across this whole country, remember Remember, or try to find out what tribe it is, where you're standing on, wherever you're traveling. Because if you do, only good comes from respect. Only good comes from respecting others, respecting the land, respecting each other. And that's what we're here today. We're here out of solidarity and respect for our black relatives. Our struggle has always been together. Our struggle has began from the same perpetrators. The same perpetrators that brought them over as slaves. No choice, they had no choice in it. They are the same ones that oppressed us and killed us and took our land. Welcome back. This is Full Circle on the Pacifica Mothership, KPFA. You just heard some of the voices from the March and Rally for Black Lives in Martinez that was held this past Sunday. To keep abreast of what's happening, you can follow the Facebook page Together We Stand at TWS Revolution on Facebook. And like always, we will have a link to that page and some pictures from the event on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And a quick action alert. On Friday, July 24th, starting at 1 p.m., people will be gathering at the Antioch City Park for a donation drive for the homeless. Then at 3 p.m., there will be a rally for justice, continuing on till 4 p.m. when they will have a rally for Vanessa Guillen and other missing soldiers. You can find more information on the Facebook page, Bay Area Grassroots. And again, I will have all that information and a link to their page on our page, kpfaapprentice.org. And that brings me 
to the end of tonight's show. A big shout out to Mickey, my partner here at the station. She has been here the entire time I have been here. And she was actually here before me. And she has taught me the entire time I have been here. Also, shout out to all the friends I have made over the years here. As I say at the graduations here, I feel like Mickey and myself, we are the lucky ones here because as everybody graduates and moves on, we get to meet a whole nother group of cool people like all the people I've met here over the last 15 years. So I get to meet all the cool people that come through the station. And thanks for making my life so rich, diverse, and always keeping me moving forward. That's it for me, celebrating my 15 years on KPFA. Check out the website for some pictures of my time here at KPFA. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is myself, Free Will and Frank Sterling. I have also been your host tonight. Enjoy more. Bless you, Joy is our production consultant. Everyone out there, please, please protect your health and your humanity. Stay tuned because up next is La Onda Bajita. Peace.